Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Always Aggressive Podcast. I'm Hunter Massimo alongside head coach Tony Ursuline. Tanner, over to the side. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone. 2020, first podcast of the new decade. decade. Here we are. It seems like it's been a long time since we've been together. So here we are. Yeah, we haven't had one for Over two weeks, I think three weeks ago today was the last podcast we did. So we have a ton to recap today. Obviously, Lots has happened. Midlands was a big deal, so... We're going to wait and put that off. We've got some more things to cover before we get to Midlands. Uh, Cougars, SIUE taking the win down in Edwardsville. Uh, a good match with a lot of good wins in there. Uh, Devin Schroeder, Travis Ford-Melton starting off the match with, with pins. Uh, great way to start the match down in Edwardsville. Yeah, it was, it was nice to see the guys come off of final exams and, and jump right back in and, and perform pretty well for the most part. You know, we came back from Las Vegas, which was, you know, a tough grind and, and immediately had finals. And, you know, that schedule is always disjointed, as we've talked about before. So to come back and, you know, we had five days or so to train and then really get ready for a, a duel before we went on holiday break. It was nice to see the guys. They looked pretty good overall. I thought, you know, they, they got right back in rhythm um, after, you know, finals and, and, and you know, looked pretty sharp for the most part i uh i blinked and like missed like the, we went pin pin and we were up 12 nothing and i'm sitting there frantically typing on my computer i was like what just happened yeah they were making you work hard weren't they, they? They, yeah it was it was things were going pretty quick there for a second yeah. and uh, devin schroeder with the minute 45 pin and travis ward mountain with the 12 second pin. i couldn't find a faster <clears throat> pin I, I i dug for a while um and again i'm in the middle of the duel so i couldn't dig too hard but um, I, I don't know the last time we had a guy pin somebody in 12 seconds. Yeah, it, it was quick. Double underhooks, you know, bear hug, and then Bang. And he finished it. And that's the nice thing about Travis, just, you know, as a side note. Like when guys, when he puts people on their back, they usually don't get off. He, he's yeah. a good finisher. Yeah, he gets it. He closes the deal. Uh, one thing I want to talk about is Griffin's match. Griffin went into, it was, there were some weird things that went on that, in that match. And I don't know, I mean, I know weird it was a long, a long time ago, but... Both of you, watching, I was watching at home, uh, can talk through what happened in that match. There were some, there was some calls that you were you were concerned with, calls that their coach was concerned with that went into the tiebreaker. That there was questions in in the tiebreaker round as well. Yeah, there. It was just. It was. Uh, it was a bit of a circus. Yeah. Uh, you Dan- know, dancing bears. Obviously, yeah. listen. Like you know, uh, you're. You know, both sides are competitive. You know, sure. Coach Spates and his crew wanted that match. We wanted that match, and so we were. We everybody was fighting hard. The two guys out there fought hard. Um, you know, from a procedural standpoint in the OT, uh, there was an unfortunate series where um, you know they had they had gone past sudden death and they were in the thirty second rideouts. And you know there was action uh, where one man had scored, and the official uh, uh, blew his whistle and called time. I think he had thought maybe they were still in the sudden death, and there was points, and yeah, the match was then over. That's what it looked like at home. And and in the 30-second rideout, action continues because each man gets an opportunity to ride the mm-hmm. other, and, and you wrestle the entire 30 seconds with no stoppage. Yeah. And so it would, you know the official was unfortunate, and I think he he realized it as soon as he blew the whistle. And so they went back. Um, and incidentally, too, based on the action, that sequence of action, um, I believe SIUE challenged that there might have been near fall. Yeah, they thought, yeah. They, were, they thought backs were coming, too. They thought yeah. back points maybe should have been awarded. But obviously, there was the whistle was blown. There shouldn't, there shouldn't and couldn't have been a count. Right. So there were just a, a lot of things going on. That if you weren't in the gym, it would have been hard to follow. Um, so unfortunate, but you know they they got they got it right, and then we yep. went back and went through the the, the duel, and it, it was a hard fought match, and, and you know we were 
we were happy to come away with it. I was trying to supplement Tanner's tweets because there was no commentary on the stream watching on ESPN Plus. So I was trying to supplement the tweets <laughs> as commentary. And the best I could figure out was that they had thought that it was still the sudden sudden victory round or that even in the tiebreakers, one, one score would end it. I was doing my best to provide information as to what was happening as best I could interpret it without trying to be too biased. How, is, that, is, that, is that a good way to put it, Tony? Yes. Yeah, so it was, you know, obviously, you know, you're, I got a dog in the fight, so, and, and it's our channel, so we can, you know, we could be, you know, biased in that, in that sense. But, um, and it was an exciting match, too. I mean, it, oh, it was crazy. It ended yep. 12 to 10, which is not very common for, uh, you know, seeing something to go to a sudden victory and in tiebreaker rounds as that highest scoring of a match. Yeah. And I will say this about with Griffin, too. Like, he was thrown for four points early, came out, got uh, lateral dropped. He had to dig out uh, to his back, and he had to dig out being down 4 yep. 0 very early in that, that match. So, that, like I said, it was nice to see, you know, obviously an unfortunate deal with the, the stoppage. But, um, you know, we were happy to, like I said, to climb out of a 4-0 deficit and, and get back in the match, take it to OT, and, and ultimately sure. get the win. For sure. Uh, Bruner getting a first-round pin as well. Another big win, Thomas Panola getting win mm. over then-ranked number yep. 17, uh, Colton McKiernan in the heavyweight spot. Great for Thomas. Yeah, you really see uh, Thomas continuing to develop and fill into the weight. You know, he's just becoming more comfortable. The tactics are obviously a little different at that weight class than, than when he was wrestling at 197 pounds. So he, he continues to figure things out and look more comfortable at the weight and certainly a very notable win uh, for him. Pretty cool yesterday. Um, did some, some media, some marketing stuff with uh, a few of his teammates. And uh, Parker Phileas had, had made the comment that, like, Every time he goes out, it seems like he understands wrestling heavyweight a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And he's because, like you said, wrestling heavyweight's not wrestling at like at other weight classes. They the tactics are different, the positioning's different, the weight sure as heck is different. Yep. So um, it's been really cool to watch him progress and evolve and 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 develop that way. Yep. And, and get some, some of these wins. It it can't be understated the weight difference because as no. we've seen. Uh, in previous years, we've had so many uh, of our guys in the starting lineup that have been a little bit undersized for the heavyweight class. For that, sure. I mean, mm -hmm. the difference between every other weight is 10, 15 pounds, and the gap between 197 and 285, almost 100 pounds, that you could be wrestling a guy that is almost 100 pounds heavier than you are. Sure. Now, Thomas certainly does not weigh 197 now. Of course. Um, but you're right. There is a significant gap. He is a, a smaller mm -hmm. heavyweight. But uh, as we said, he's learning how to use the tactics and the skill sets that he has to, it, to his advantage with sure. these big guys. You know? And, and that, that's where I see you know, him improving the most. You know, his decision-making um, and, and you know, how he's going to approach a match, uh, I think, is, is getting stronger each time out. And that will continue through the rest of the year. He's, mm -hmm. he's going to continue to grow and develop. And uh, you know, I'm excited to see what he's going to be in March. Well, before we get into any results uh, from what happened up, in, up at Midlands, uh, one thing that you mentioned before we started was it's Midlands is such a dangerous spot, right? Because it's a, such a grueling tournament, which we talk about all the time. It's, it's such a gauntlet. But you're coming off of a, a little bit of a break, uh, especially you wrestled SIUE uh, the two weeks before, and you had a two-week break, and then you had the, the holidays in there as well uh, that kind of that broke it up. That kind of worried about how guys are going to come back. And before before we get into any of the uh, results, you were impressed with how the guys came back from their from their time off. 
to wrestle in such a, a grueling tournament. Yeah, I, I, you know, I thought they did a nice job, and certainly a lot of the results reflected their discipline over the break. Um, you know, we talk all the time about controlling what you can control, and as you know, as a coach, you get a little bit nervous when you kick your guys loose and you don't get to see them. You know, we lose some of that control, uh, which, which you know, I'll just speak for myself, makes me nervous. You know, because you don't see them for five days, and certainly all of their workout situations aren't exactly what you would want. You know, these kids go home and maybe they don't even have access to a wrestling room. You know, who knows? So. So um, I thought, by and large, they came back. You know, they had their weight in control. By and large, you know, there's always a, you know a guy or two you want to see a little bit better. But but they came back and they looked like they were ready to go. They were hungry to to dive into the next competition and, and get going again. Well, uh, we'll just start off right off the bat. Dylan Lighty taking first place. Uh, an incredible start to the season for him. Twenty and zero. Twenty and zero. Twenty and zero. An incredible start. He's up to four. In some rankings, it's kind of a... All of them. As we, in all of the rankings. He's four across the board. As we talked about yesterday, kind of a stalemate at the top of the, the 174 yep. rankings just because, you know, it's kind of waiting to see who's going to flinch first, uh, who's going to lose a match. Uh, and got some really good wins along the way at Midlands. Number eight at the time, number four, and number two to get the championship place at Midlands. Yeah, he's you know he's doing a nice job. Um, he's a very confident guy. Uh, he knows what he you know what he wants to do. Um, I'll I'll throw my little coaching plug in here though. I'd like to see him be more offensive and get sure. more points on the board. But he's good. You know, and, and let's talk about progress too. Always, I guess with him. Hey, we, we always have to have a coaching point in there. Don't, <laughs> don't forget, we're not going to talk well, it straight up. We got to get a coaching point in to there. To supplement your point, round two he won four to zero. In the quarterfinals against number eight, he he won a decision five to two. Semifinals, he won in sudden victory, and then in the finals, he won three to two. So every match that he's he's wrestling in are very close, and if he can work on his offense a little bit more, can you know but make I, that gap a little bit better. I will add this though, and and I listened to the guys on Flow talk about this yesterday, where they were talking about a different wrestler, but they were talking about how sometimes those close scores are a little misleading in the fact that mm -hmm. like you know Dylan wins a match 4-0, and that doesn't seem like a huge win, sure. but dominated the match. Yeah, right. You know. Spent a lot of time on top. Three guy, with three and a half minutes of riding yeah, time. Yeah, the guy, the guy never gets close to his legs. Like he's, you know. So some of these, while, while coach definitely is on point. Like we want to see Dylan score more points. Mm -hmm. Zero question about that. But sometimes these low-scoring matches are a little misleading as far as how right. close they actually are because yep. he can be so dominant with his position, and I mean. Guys just aren't coming close to scoring on him in a lot of these matches. And, and I would agree with that uh, 100%. Like, uh, you know, sometimes you can dominate a match and not score the points because the other guy is just content on trying to hold you off. Sure. He's not really trying to win the match. Um, and, and I would say here's, there is progress in my mind in this, too. And I know uh, Dill and I have talked about this is, you know, he was overtime with Styrt before. Um, at Vegas and got it done in OT, where this time he took care of it in regulation. Um, but if you do look at the match, he was in on what I would call a serious attempt, a serious attack, where he had hands locked on a leg and had penetrated and created action in each of the three periods. 100%. So there was there was progress there. And, and you know, anytime you wrestle a quality opponent, it's not going to be easy. So while you know, um, you know, I need you know, I want him to have that goal of continuing to score points and, and develop in that way. Like he, you should never be satisfied, right? Right? Like you, because you're winning, you can fool yourself. 
yourself into thinking everything's okay and you should always just be in pursuit of being hey what's the next level for me and, and for him he, he has great offense so more points should be what he's always pursuing so uh, there's there's a lot of progress but we want to keep our foot on the gas in that way where he's continuing to try to get to his attack sooner and sooner in the match and not to just attack but turn those into points and like we've talked about before <clears throat> Dylan Mighty a kid that has grit like you read about, I mean, he's 20, like we just said, 20 and 0 on the season and has a few overtime wins that, you know, you, you five just, of them, five overtime <laughs> wins of his, of his 20 wins. So it just goes to show his grit and his attitude in these matches that, you know, he's, he's wrestling a quarter of his matches longer than three periods. Nah, he's he's doing great. You know, a lot of credit. Like I said, you know, uh, we'll we'll continue to pick at the things we want to do better, where we can be better. But uh, yeah, he's he has every right to be very confident. He's battle tested. He isn't. He's not ducking anybody every tournament. He's out there and he's going, and and he's he's really confident. And so, from a consistency standpoint. Uh, I feel very good about where he's at because he, we know what's going to happen when he goes out. Seven of his 20 wins against ranked opponents. Yeah. Um, you know, and you could you could really make that number eight because Kimmel Bastion wasn't ranked the second time they wrestled. And he, I think he's and top 15 now. And so. that guy's yeah, that guy's a ranked wrestler. That guy's legit. Yep. Um, Dylan's two wins over him carry a lot of weight uh, on the national scene. That guy's really good. So, um, like Coach said, he's not ducking anybody. He's. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a wrestler out there that is undefeated that has that many wins. Yeah, I mean, 20, 20, 20 wins I, is... 20 and 0, I think, is, is, is the best out there. Having 20 matches by, by the first of the year is a lot. And it's funny, you know, Coach has given Dylan some opportunities to, like, take a, take a step back and, and not wrestle in a match here or not wrestle in a match there. And I've heard Dylan, like, nope, I want it. Mm -hmm. Nope, I want it. This is my last year. Like, he... He knows what's going on here. Like he has, I think his awareness of, of where he is in his career and, uh, and what's going on with him is at an all-time high. And, uh, and I think it speaks a lot to you know, his determination to get where he's trying to go. I think that's a good point to make of, we hear it talked about a lot, uh, but Dylan really embodies the whole idea of the last go-round where this is, this is, he knows that this is a, a kind of a last run for him and it's not, he's not leaving anything, uh, he's not gonna hold anything back. He wants all the matches and he, he understands that this is the last time he's, I mean, this is a, he won his last Midlands. He won is his it, last Vegas trip. Is that like in the Waterboy when the guy keeps saying on TV, can't hold anything back now. This is <laughs> I just watched that on TV the other day. It's funny you brought that up. Maybe you were watching too. I, I don't know. I actually haven't seen it. But I don't I, know. That's what I heard right there when he said that. Yep. Can't hold anything back now. Um, I, I will say this about Dylan too. I think he's really enjoying it. You know what I mean? We talk about, you know, he wants right. the match. I do. I think he really is enjoying it and valuing, you know, what, what he's doing in his time out there. And that's the way it should be. It should be that for everybody because uh, I tell the guys all the time, don't blink. This season's going to be over, you know, stay in the moment. And I think that's where he's at. I think he's enjoying, you know, he's not enjoying all the hard work you know, when, when we're pushing him, but I think he really enjoys and values, uh, you know, his time right now. And that's, and that's a great place to be. Well, we have a potentially incredible match on Sunday here in Holloway Gymnasium at the 174 weight class. We'll talk about that in a minute, though. We've got some more first place winners to get to from Midlands. Yeah, Christian we're not Bruner. done with Midlands. <laughs> Big Midlands. Christian Bruner. Uh, by the way, the rankings that I've said so far for is for the tournament, not those necessarily. Were yeah, those were seeding for Midlands. From, uh, Christian Bruner comes in as the number three seed. And in quarterfinals, semis, and finals takes out number six, number two, and number five. And all guys that he's has seen before guys that he's probably going to see again at some point 
uh, and getting wins against all of them, Lucas Davison from Northwestern, Brucky from Princeton, and Aiello from Virginia. All close matches, and like we talked, just talked about with, with grit with Dylan Lighty, Christian Brunner is another guy that has grit like you read about. Yep. No, he, uh, he is. He's, 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 he is. He's a gritty, tough kid uh, doing the work. I think if you look in those matches, too, maybe these last three matches, starting with quarters to finals, he gave up the first takedown in each match but then, and then really picked it up. You know, so if we're talking about you know, Christian, something to work on is obviously you know, maybe you know, um, you know, not giving up that first takedown. But the thing I like about it is he, has, he really has a sense of urgency to his matches. Uh, he's wrestling hard. He's using his time. And he knows that one takedown is not going to beat him. You know, there's another guy who understands I'm in shape and I can put points on the board and, you know, let's wrestle. And so he's not afraid to, to mix it up. And, and he knows that late, you know, he, he, he can close. He can go get the, the points that he needs. So uh, another guy who's really confident, you know, he, you know, it was interesting, you know, because uh, at first, you know, there was talk of redshirting him and guys mm -hmm. know that Thomas was down, down at 97 and doing a nice job. And I think when Christian just made up his mind that this is what he wanted to do and it was his year, I just think you really see him again making the most of it. He's, he's just grabbing these matches by the throat and he's, he's running at it hard, you know, mm -hmm. and enjoying it. And, and I, you know, this is what I want. You know, he knows what he wants. Probably having the same revelation of this is the last go round that you can't hold anything back. You've got to go out there and take it, and, and he's in a good place to do it. Well, and watch him gut out some of those situations, like, you know, against Brucky when he had to, not only did he have to come back and get a takedown because he gave one up, yep. but then, you know, we had, what, 40 seconds to go? 40, I believe it was 41. I mean, it's just burned in my head because, right. you know, you're trying to make a decision, right? You take a guy down with 41, That's there's enough time where you're like, okay, do we ride him or do we cut him or what, you know, what sure. do we do? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh and uh, he showed a lot of a lot of grit riding him out for 41. I mean, he made he made some serious mat returns. He he covered some some Grambies. He was he was Brucky was doing everything he could to get out, and Christian uh, just hang just hung on. Yep. And so it was uh, it was really impressive. Yep. No, I thought he nice nice job. It, you know, but I would say this just because I pick on verbiage, right? I, as a coach, he did not hang on. Uh, in that he picked him up, he put him oh, down. No, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? No. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, like no. Christian, yes. Christian closed that match the way he needed to. 100%. Um, you know, it wasn't a guy who was just trying to hang on for the ride, watching the clock. I thought Christian did a great job of when we talk about staying in the moment. It's really easy to watch the clock and, uh, you know, what's going you know, And I thought he just really pick him up, return him, double leg him out of bounds. You know what I mean? Like he did, he just, he wrestled the situation the way it needed to be. 100%, yeah. And, and it, obviously what I said could have been misconstrued as, as like kind of a negative connotation. So I'm glad you, you corrected that because no, he didn't. He was, he was very dominant in that position through those last 40 seconds, which by the way, were probably the longest 40 seconds yeah. that you can remember. But um, no, there was nothing, there was nothing clingy about it. It was, it was very dominant. It was very, uh, you know, he, he hammered every position. Yeah, he, he did a nice Brucky, job closing. Whatever Brucky tried to do, he was right there and ready for it. Yep. And another placer at uh, Midlands, Kendall Coleman, finishing in fourth place, getting wins over Headley uh, from North Carolina, who's number six in the quarterfinals, uh, getting in Wrestlebacks, came back and got number eight uh, from Central Michigan, and then losing to Monday uh, from Princeton. Who's the top in, seed. In the, yeah, in the third place match, he was the top seed. Uh, could see a potential rematch of his loss in the semifinals to Caleb Young, losing that one uh, in a pin late in in the match. And the, that, gonna, that hey, pin was kind of, I mean, you could 
It, it was, was sudden death. Yeah, as was. soon as he gave up the two, Kennel relaxed. Certainly, you don't want Kennel to relax. If that's sure. a dual meet, we give up six points, yeah, team right. points the same. So, yeah. uh, in no way do I condone it. But you know, uh, it was a situation where you know Kennel gave up the two in sudden death. He knew he had lost the match, and he just you could just see you know right. just he let his body language go. And, but, uh, but talking about uh, you mentioned Christian being impressive, Kendall Coleman. I mean, as a redshirt freshman, to go out there at his first first official time at Midlands to be able to compete that way against that talent. I mean, we still have a grueling schedule ahead, which we'll get to in just a moment, but uh, Kendall Coleman really having a great start to his, his career. Yeah, you know, um, you know I, I think what it speaks to Kendall is, is the, the level of disappointment that, and expectation that we all had, you know, in the semifinal when he lost, you know, and, yeah. and if you watch the match, we thought he had the, the, the scramble, he had the advantage in the scramble and was going to close it out. And so to lose that and, uh, and to be fourth, you know, there's, there's some pretty, you know, uh, there's a big disappointment for us. I know Kendall too, I'm not speaking out of turn for Kendall. And so it just speaks to where Kendall kind of has put himself early into the career. Um, certainly he got a lot of work to do. But, you know, he's competing hard. You know, he knows he knows he can wrestle with anybody in the country, and there's a lot of confidence in that. And I see that reflected in his wrestling. So, um, you know, I, I like where he's at. Certainly a lot of, uh, lot of room and improvement because he's early in his career. So uh, that's exciting. There's just nothing but excitement for me around Kendall, uh, knowing that, you know, we let a match get away from us there in the semifinal that we probably should have had, and we're going to get a chance. I know we're going to talk about it, but we're going to get a chance on Sunday. Mm -hmm. We've got work to do Friday still, but, you know, it's exciting for me that can, can we make some adjustments, get better, and, and flip those results here, you know, uh, second half of the year. And the thing about Kendall, I mean, the, the limited time that I'm up here in the wrestling office, I think I've seen him the most because he's always up here working with you and the other coaches with film, watching himself, watching uh, things that he needs to get better at, and, and constantly working to get better off the mat, which is, uh, you know, something that you can't really teach in some kids, especially as a freshman to come in and just just constantly be a sponge. He wants to soak things up and wants, wants to constantly get better. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, Kendall, Kendall is a, a good student of the sport. I mean, he's learning about what that looks like mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it makes him very coachable. You know, that's why I think we're going to see a lot of develop from, development from him even from now until March with uh, the nine Big Ten duels uh, remaining. I think mm -hmm. you're going to see a better version of him, you know, even in March yet. Well, before we look ahead to Iowa on Sunday, like you mentioned, Wildcats up in Evanston on Friday night. Uh, going to be a tough match starting off the Big Ten season. Uh, on the road is always tough. And going into, you know, it, they, they've got a great team and it's you don't want to look ahead to Sunday because you've got a tough opponent ahead of you before you even get to the number one ranked team. Yeah, and that's, you know, we were talking obviously before we even um, got going here today. Uh, you know, it's that's the thing. You know, we, we preach all the time, and I've probably talked about it enough on the podcast. You stay in the moment, right? It's the process. It's the hey, moment. Hunter, you think you're supposed to stay in the moment? You stay in the moment. You heard right? that before? I don't know. I don't know, but I've never heard that. It's weird. Sweet. I'm not doing my job. Okay. I, I, I can tell where we got to go in the future. I'm going to have flashcards next time. Are you guys cool okay, with that? Okay. I'll bring flashcards. Hey, good news is neither Hunter nor I are wrestling Friday that's, or Sunday. That's great. That's yeah, awesome. It's good news for um, you. It's good. It's good. We got a chance in the duel, huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's it, it's true. I mean, Northwestern has a good team. They've got you know, some good, really good individuals as well. You know, um, so 
we're, we're going to have to be ready. We can't look past. You know, it'll be nice to be at home on Sunday, but we got to leave here Thursday and get ready to go take care of our business on Friday night there. And then, then, we'll, then we'll get ready for Iowa. Yep. So um, no doubt we've got to stay in the moment and just worry about the people in front of us. And, and you know, that's the nice thing. Like I said, if, if anything, that's what we talk about the most is staying in the moment and just wrestle the situation. You know, wrestle through every situation hard. So uh, hopefully that message is stuck with the team and that's where they're at. I think they will be there. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll get, you know, we'll take care of that and then we'll, we'll worry about Iowa. It's definitely an interesting situation having to go on the road on Friday, turn around and be home on Sunday. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously they do that just because Northwestern is a, you know, short run drive up the road. Um, should be back plenty of time to, to regroup and, and re, reload for, for Sunday. Um, but, uh, and then, you know, you throw in everything else that's going in on campus this weekend with, you know, a track meet all day on Saturday. Uh, men's basketball's got Michigan State at noon on Sunday. So it's going to be... Uh, and classes start on Monday. And classes start on Monday, so the students are all just coming back to town. So yep. it's going to be a bit of a circus that way in the, mm -hmm. in the atmosphere just around Purdue Athletics that uh, you know, we're gonna have to really stay focused. And you know, like, like Coach said, go take care of business Friday night, yep. come back, regroup, get back in the room, get ready for Sunday. And so um, I, think it's a, I think it's a great challenge for the guys. I think it's a cool opportunity to, to do something special. Um, you know, obviously we, we wanna go take care of business on the road Friday night, Northwestern, like we said, I mean, they've got some hammers. You know, you got a guy like Sebastian Rivera at 33, who's, you know, he, I mean, that guy's been there. You know, just just mm -hmm. won the just won Puerto Rican Nationals at 57 kilos. Um, mm -hmm. You know, had a third place performance at Midlands. Did really well there in a in a loaded loaded 33 yep. pound bracket. Yeah, him and that gross match in the semifinal. That was, was crazy. Was a tremendous match. Yep. So. That was crazy. So many delays and challenges and reviewed calls and whatnot. It was uh, that was wild. Um, but then uh, also, you know, you got number one Ryan Deacon at 57. Um, you know, you went through some of the other guys. Diagostino at 125 mm -hmm. is, is a top 10, you know, type yep. of guy just as a freshman. Um, you know, we got our guy in Kendall, and, the, you know, that's, that's one of their guys there. So it'll be, uh, it'll be a fun duel. Um, a, lot of, a lot of ranked matchups, a lot, lot of good rank, matchups. A lot of really good matchups and a lot of different weights that um, will be, you know, pivotal on how, how the duel swings. Right. Um, you know, we're going to have to count on some, we're going to have to count on specific guys to go out and, Get some, some bonus do, points. Do, get some bonus points and do some work. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, Iowa's definitely not short in some, some loaded matchups as well. Yeah, I mean, Iowa having, uh, I mean, they've got a top to bottom roster that they. I mean, they're top 10 at like every weight. Right. So. Uh, speaking of good atmospheres, though, hoping that you all can come out and to Holloway Gymnasium, support the Boilers against the Hawkeyes on Sunday. This four o'clock. Four o'clock, just your second time of the season. Uh, one of five times, right? Five five home duels? Five home duels. Yep. That you'll be able to see the Boilers, uh, and you won't be able to see them again for another month because uh, you're not home until the end of the month, January 31st, against Minnesota. So this will be your first time and last time for a little while to come out and see the Boilers wrestle against Iowa. That's going to be an incredible duel. Uh, we know that the Iowa... Well, Iowa fans travel well, so we're hoping that we can fill it with our black and gold rather than their black and yellow. Uh, should be an exciting match for everyone. You're going to see a ton of top uh, ranked matchups. 
Should be incredible for, for all the wrestling fans out there. No, it should be a great one. Uh, as you mentioned, we certainly want to fill the gym, so I want to invite everybody to come out, fill the stands, be loud, get get crazy. Uh, you'll have a chance to see a number of ranked matchups. And uh, like I said, I think it should be it should be a fun duel. Now, Sunday is a ticketed event. Um, $5 for tickets. Tickets start at 5 bucks. Which is um, a bargain. Bargain at any price for this, reason this we're matchup. doing it. reason we're doing it, just so people know, we know that we have uh, free admission to a lot of our duels. What we don't want is, because we're expecting a full gym, we're expecting a lot of people, we don't want people traveling from long distances, show up at the gym, and it's sold out. You don't have a ticket. Um, that would be awful to have to t be able to you know, tell a parent or tell somebody that you know, just was in the car for three, four, five hours, whatever, they get to the door and like, yep, sorry, we're at capacity, you can't come in. Right. So tickets are on sale, uh, producesports.com. You can call the ticket office, 1-800-49-SPORT. Um, you can get your $5 ticket ahead of time that way you know that, especially if you're traveling from somewhere far away, you do not want to get here and get turned away. That would be awful. We don't want that for anybody. Um, that is why we're making it a ticketed event um, so that uh, we, we don't have to have any of those situations where people are, are upset because they can't, they can't get in. Right. Well, I'm very much looking forward to it. I, of course, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there. Uh, just to, <clears throat> since we're getting ready to start the Big Ten schedule, just to kind of lay out what the season, the rest of the season looks like, it's kind of a weird schedule. From what I understand, this is kind of kind of the way that you'd like it to be. Uh, the way you start out on the road, and then you're at home, and then you're away for three, going to Indiana, Maryland, and then Rutgers, and then home for three against Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Nebraska, and then going to Illinois before Big Tens. So kind of breaking it up into chunks rather than kind of going back and forth all the time. Is that that's kind of what you like or what? No, what you, you know, like? I, I would probably prefer not to have such large chunks away. It's yeah. just the way the Big Ten, you know, they are in charge of our schedule, and that's just the way the the rotation and the scheduling went this year. Sure. You know, certainly you, you'd like to maybe you know be at home, you know, once every week, you know, possibly, right. you know, but you know, at least it. once in those six weeks, you're going to be on the road twice. They try not to do that more than once for for any team. So but it's, it's just how it goes, uh, obviously, but still a lot of great matchups, you know, that you're going to see and that it should be, should be a, a really fun year uh, to watch. Now we're, it, like I said, it's going to fly. We're down to our last six weeks from a Big Ten standpoint. And then we're going to take a couple weeks just to train and peak and get ready for Big Tens, right. uh, which is going to mean a lot. And, you know, obviously the Big Ten from top to bottom in terms of how good they are is incredible. But some of your really tough matches, you get to have them here, which is a great thing. To have Iowa come here, to have Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, bring them all here and kind of get that home that home court advantage, get in front of the home home crowd. Just the latest the latest rankings rundown, just for just for people wondering. Number one, Iowa coming to town. Number two, Nebraska coming to town. Number eight, Wisconsin coming to town. Number 15, Minnesota coming to town. So, I mean, you're going to get an opportunity to come come to some of these Purdue matches. And Purdue's going to be right there in the mix as well. So this is all going to be top 15. Sitting at 18 in the dual yeah. rankings right now. Um, lots of opportunities to move up. So, right. and that's, you know, that's the way we like to look at it. Things is, is you know, opportunities, challenges. Things so there's to there's going to be some incredible matches, incredible Big Ten matches in Holloway Gymnasium. So be sure to come out and support Purdue. Especially towards the end of the schedule, it gets... It gets pretty interesting, and I know we've talked about this before of the way that you kind of like it this way, that you have Nebraska at home, and then you have about a week and a half off where you go to Champaign to take on the Illini, uh, and then two and a half, almost three weeks off mm -hmm. after that match before Big Tens. Uh, obviously, Big Tens is, you know, 
incredible tournament. Yep. Uh, but you just mentioned of kind of being able to recover from the season a little bit and then also ramp up to be able to peak that when that Saturday rolls around yeah. up in uh, Piscataway. Yeah, there's two two uh, two lines of thought there too as well. Um, because of how you qualify, and we've talked about that a little bit, you know, there's there's an RPI, a win percentage, and a coach's ranking. And you, to have an RPI, you have to have 15 matches minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the win percentage, you know, has to be high as well. So th- I did that for two reasons. One, yeah, we're fur- further enough out that if we want to take a couple days off, let some guys heal up, you know, freshen up, and then hit a couple of good, hard, like, three-day training cycles uh, to, to peak going into Big Tens, we have that option. But also there's some last-minute tournaments, sure. you know, where you can go out and you can get, get some wins you know have a chance to get your RPI or whatever up you know get your coaches rank up you know do what you need to do so I left that open for two you know two reasons I thought the guys who were firmly cemented where they're they're gonna be you know we've got some time just to chill out and and let them have a couple days and freshen up and then start our training cycle and then if, if there's a tournament that following weekend that we need to get a couple guys to we can do that as well so you're just trying to ensure just you know within the qualification rules that you have the ch- your best chance to get everybody to nationals to score points for you absolutely and that's that's a little bit of an explanation uh, for people at home that may not know when you look at the rankings and you see some guys you know top five top ten ranked guys that only have four or five matches it's kind of like the chess the, the game of chess that, that each head coach plays of how many matches I need you know this guy doesn't need you know you've got the guys that are that are number one number two number three like the the guys that have proved themselves they don't they don't have to go out and wrestle an entire season's worth of matches because they, they know who they are they know their style and they they're they're looking towards big tens it's that game of chess that the coaches play of what matches you're going to wrestle in order to qualify to meet those qualification numbers that you just mentioned and then to get into big tens to compete for a big ten championship and a national championship the thing you don't want though is you don't want guys to rest on their laurels oh it's certainly a dangerous game you know you you get a lot of these schools that you know they know they've got a top guy and they they've you know that that when it when you know it comes down to it they're going to earn a spot for for the nationals right but what you don't want is you don't want them to sit back so far that they don't qualify a spot for for the conference, mm-hmm. and they go steal somebody else's. They right. put us in. They put the conference in a position where people are are, are scrambling for at large bids uh, because they earned a spot for the conference, and then somebody came in and stole it. Um, that's you know that's not great for the Big Ten. Uh, makes it hard on a lot of the schools, and and you know unfortunately you can any you know any any conference still falls sure. into that. And, you know, and the interesting thing is it it falls into. You know, this is an Olympic year, so you could still have some of that with other guys. I mean, you've already seen a lot of collegians, you know, uh, compete down at the U.S. Open in Dallas. Yeah, the Olympic over year is crazy. So, you know, there are some match counts out there that if you look, not just Big Ten, but, uh, you know, around the country where, you know, they're going to need to have that 15-match minimum to have an RPI. And, and you want them to, you know what I mean? Now, you know, not to go too deep for people at home, but, you know, you could still have a, a good win percentage, which is a, a lower match count, sure, and then the you could have your coaches rank. Yeah. So there's other ways to do this. Okay? You said you got to have eight matches? Eight matches, eight matches is what it's been, yeah, for the, uh, for the win percentage, okay. and then 15 for the RPI, and obviously the coaches rank is what it is. So, um, but that, that's a consideration, and it's something you want to keep an eye on, you know, because it will impact how many wild cards there might be out there, you know, coming out of the conference tournaments. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the underlying rules and the qualifications and things that go into these tournaments, I think, is something that the common fan 
don't need to trouble themselves with. No. Uh, something that the coaches, that's what you get paid to worry about, is is how, how all these things work, going into to all these different tournaments for these guys that, I mean... I don't even. I, I love the sport. I've paid, I've watched. There's always new things that pop up that it's like I don't know how how guys qualify yeah. for certain things. Just worry about coming to our uh, four Big Ten home duels and yep. uh, and following the team. Make and, sure, uh, yeah. And, make uh, sure you get yourself a seat in Holloway. We, and we appreciate that. Buy your popcorn. Well, it should be an exciting season for the Boilers. Like we said, they've got an incredible home season, uh, home schedule, some great talent coming into town. Uh, starting off with Iowa this Sunday. So Boilermakers on the road in Evanston. So if you're in that area or if you want to make a trip from West Lafayette, just a couple hours up northwest to Evanston to take on, watch the Boilers take on the Wildcats. And then you get to see them at home on Sunday against the Hawkeyes. Uh, should be a great season, great Big Ten season. Look, looking forward to the Big Ten season, man. It's, it's going to be fun. Incredible matches all across the conference uh, that, you, that you can watch on BTN Plus for sure. So for Tanner, head coach Tony Ursuline, I'm Hunter Massengill. Always aggressive podcast. We'll see you next week uh, after wins against Northwestern and against Hawkeyes. That's right. Let's do it. Have a lot to talk about. As always, boiler up.